Hello and welcome to the Run Talk Run podcast, episode 10, La Decima. Um, I am joined this evening, of course, by Jessica Robson. Hello. How are you this evening, Jess? I am really good now, thank you, yes. Um, I haven't been great all day, but I feel good right now. <laughs> How are That's... you, Josh? Yeah, um, yeah, actually, today's been, today's been actually a pretty good day and... Um, I capped it off with a very slow 6K in which I sort of kept stopping and writing podcast notes ahead of tonight as well. So it was kind of like, it was part chilled run. It was part like preparation preparation for tonight. And then I got those kind of good endorphins as well, um, which was great. Um, but actually, if I'm really honest, like my mental health, like Sunday was pretty, was pretty shit actually to be honest with you <laughs> i've just dropped an s-bomb straight away but um yeah I, d- I don't know what it was i think it was the combination of sort of not enough sleep um over exercising um overworked on friday and just not getting on top of stuff and i just got to sunday night and i was just like a mess um but i did chat to a couple of people in like the run to run community from tooting and like i i thought I all I always give advice that people should talk and they should open up. And I was like, do you know what? I'm going to hit send on a few of these messages and just let people know that I'm not doing as well as I could be. Mm. Um, and they were awesome. Like, of course they were awesome. They're your mates, right? Um, that of course they're going to listen. Of course they're going to, you know, engage and and um, be supportive. But like, yeah, it felt it felt pretty good to kind of, you know, acknowledge that I wasn't quite at my best and to to ask. For a little bit of support and it feels good to get it back to be honest it's uh I think you should feel really proud for actually being honest because it's definitely easier said than done in the moment <laughs> as as lovely as you know people are going to be it's not always the easiest thing to do so yeah it kind of sometimes feels like admitting defeat you know what I mean that you have to kind of ask but when you do um it it immediately even if you don't get a response you feel so much better for just going oh take take my message take my take my stress and yeah <laughs> no 100 percent. even just the, uh, the act of articulating um, yeah. what it is that you're actually experiencing that in itself is totally um so that, that's the mental side How, how's your running been in the last week um how's it been honestly the last well actually the last week I've not done a great deal of running <laughs> um a bit like you I've actually struggled with my sleep a little bit yeah. um and again like you that did have an impact on my mood massively um I often find that if I'm tired like my I find it a lot harder to stop negative thoughts in their tracks and that actually spirals happen a lot quicker it's like I have less resilience to stopping the spiral when I'm tired yeah <laughs> um, totally get so, that so yeah I found the last few days a little bit more tough than usual actually but I had a good night's sleep last night and I feel like I am on an upward climb so yeah um running will come when 
my body feels ready for it. That's <laughs> what I'm telling myself. Yeah, I think it's just. I think that's totally the right attitude to have. Yeah. So do I want. Well, I'm going. I'm going trail running with Derek on Saturday. So, like, if that if that doesn't bring about anecdotes, I don't know what will. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, Next week, his podcast will be a, a funny one. I'm sure. Absolutely. I don't know where we're going to go. I don't know where he's going to take me. But um, but yeah, I think it's. I think it's going to be. Um, I think it's going to be fine. But the hits holding out. I'm feeling good. I'm enjoying, you know, seeing people and running with people. And uh, and yeah, obviously, you know, I think it's important to emphasise, Jess, like whilst you're on the subject, like there are no short term plans to bring Run Talk Run back, even though, you know, the government has said you can train in sort of groups of five or six. Should should we just sort of recap? Yes, and sort of emphasize that? I'd love to clarify this because goodness me I miss run talk run so much and I would love to say that you know because we can see six people that now means we're back but we're not we are going to follow guidance from England athletics and we're going to follow the you know the guidance from other running communities as well you know we're we're itching to get back but we're going to do so when it's safe um, and when we receive the go-ahead, basically. Um, so by all means, have your own socially distant one-to-one runs uh, within your communities. But yeah, we will let you know when we're back to running normally. I think I think that's really sensible. So yeah, as leaders or as people in the groups, you know, do do reach out to others. You know, do see if they want to go for a walk or a distance run. You know, but but it's it's it will come back <laughs> be are, patient we've we, been this patient um but yeah in the meantime you can listen to us on your runs <laughs> i guess <laughs> and you know do also check out the website because every week rachel does a fantastic blog as well which um which is which is great reading in the evenings as well um so this tonight's episode we are joined um by jonathan dick um and he's he's I guess a slightly different guest to to who we've had before, Jess, right? Absolutely. So he worked in the fitness industry um, and I think we're going to talk a lot about um, male body dysmorphia, which is not something we've covered before. No. And, and I'll be honest, I learned a lot as well. He's, he's um, a really fantastic and honest um, individual. So, uh, so yeah, listen up in part two for that. Um, of course, you can get in touch with us um, through Instagram, which is at RunTalkRun. Um, and uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us via email, you can, uh, which is jessica at RunTalkRun.com. Um, but join us very shortly in part two, where we talk to Jonathan. Welcome back to the Run Talk Run podcast part two. Today we are joined by Jonathan Dick, who is a health and performance coach at Equinox and is also a brilliant advocate for raising awareness of male body dysmorphia. So hi, Jonathan. How are you doing? Hey, Jess. Hey, Josh. Uh, Yeah, I'm good today, guys. Uh, Thank you for asking. Thank you for having me here and giving me the opportunity to speak. No, thanks for coming on. Um, so yeah, I absolutely love the work that you're doing to raise awareness about body dysmorphia. Um, 
And I noticed that when you are talking about it on your Instagram, uh, you refer to the Adonis complex. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what this actually means? Um, yes. So it, it was like a term I'd never come across in like all my reading about it until recently. Um, and like to give you a little bit of context, like obviously being in the fitness profession and being in that industry, you do start to kind of see a lot more around like body image and people starting to talk a little bit about it, but it's kind of one of those things that gets swept under the carpet, uh, particularly um, in male groups. So like what I just wanted to do was use my own experiences to open up about it and try and start that conversation, at least trying to break down a little bit of the stigma around it. So in doing my research, when I was kind of going through my own, experiences and exploring this for myself um i just i came across it and it's actually a term coined from a book written back in 2000 by a group of ivy league um, psychology professors in the u.s um and it was the term used as a, a global term to describe uh, body image issues which would range from you know just general maybe not liking something a little bit uh, to going to that full-blown body dysmorphia or muscle dysmorphia uh, that a lot of people are experiencing and probably not talking a lot about. Um, and it was based on the fact that, named after the Greek god Adonis, um, when he, like before he became a god, he was actually a mortal being. Uh, and because he was the epitome of the male image, he won the affection of Aphrodite, who's the goddess of love, and the rest of it is history. He then stayed with her and became a became a god. And then, obviously, if you see like all the sculptures now from ancient Greece and things like that, where statues are of men like torso um, out, completely ripped, and then that's gone on through history. Um, looking at through sculpture through artwork through into mainstream media and even kids cartoons and comics and things like that it's absolutely fascinating like this ideal male body image isn't anything new it's actually something that's existed you know throughout history it's not something we've just created yeah no i think it's um one of the things and again, in doing like through my research, just sort of listening and listening to people talk and doing what I could to like really help myself explore what I was going through. It was, you don't realize it until like the 80s where there's a big shift, knowing that like this has all been back in history. But in the 80s, once there's this slight shift in dynamic in what is being put out in the media, for example, like we, you can see the the increase in the fitness industry alone, uh, and then with like all the exercise videos and things like that coming out, and video and like TV programs with it. But then also like your mainstream stars, and who were heroes of mine in the likes of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone, and Hulk Hogan going into the early nineties. You know these guys all portrayed that really big muscular lean physique 
and we thought right i'm watching it on tv i'm drawn in and thinking like that's what i want to be like or surely that's what the ideal man was you know back in 60s 70s it, it was more of a masculine image it wasn't any of the top of the shots that you would see but then as you go through the 80s and then going to where we're at now it's just been a steady increase in that and probably more recently you know this side of 2010 with you know the in the intro the huge increase in the fitness industry and the amount of stuff that we see on social media today especially within like young men and women mm. and you know with your experiences do you think that's what sort of took you into the fitness industry like tell us about your your journey with that um well the journey into the fitness industry was kind of a i guess like i changed career like i started in finance i studied law like graduated university went to law school did my law conversion ended up in the canary wharf in a brokerage uh working in the finance industry for two and a half years before i left there and in the process of leaving i decided that i was going to do my pt certifications because i was going through um i'd been i bit the bug like the fitness bug had got me and i thought you know what i'll try this and we'll see what happens and it was kind of very much on a, on a whim that i then moved into the fitness industry in 2014 and Equinox were my first gym and are my only gym where I've been ever since. Uh, and I wouldn't have looked back since. It's been a great change for me. However, getting to that point were all kinds of experiences. Um, I think a lot of it I was very naive to as a child when I was a lot younger. It wasn't really until I hit my 20s that I really kind of underst- that I really understood it. And I really kind of experienced it. I think I was always chubby as a kid. I was never, I knew I had low, low self-esteem as a child. Um, and even at school, I could see myself being, I could see myself holding myself back. And even going into secondary school, 13 to 18, you know, I was still there, like very quiet, uh, never amongst like what would be deemed a cool gang at school as much as I wanted to be, you know, I never dated at all. I didn't have like, you know, it was an all boys school, which was next door to an all girls school. And I never found myself mixing over there at all. Cause, or when I was with my friends and we all kind of grouped, I was very much withdrawn from the group. Um, never put myself out there for anything of that really. And even at university, I never did. Um, you know, I, I played sport. I was always active as a kid, but I just had a, you know, I just love food. I love, I love, I enjoy my food. I love my mom's cooking. I love being in the kitchen and cooking for other people as well, uh, which kind of feeds into what I do now for my, for my work and what my passion is. But at university, I didn't play sport until my final year. And by then I'd already done two years of this kind of reckless lifestyle of heavy partying, not really watching what I ate. And I ballooned in weight. Like I was hugely overweight, uh, probably weighed in somewhere around like 130 kilos at my most um, after my first year. So then when I graduated, I moved back home and I was having to drive everywhere. And I'd had like an experience having my wisdom teeth pulled out where I'd opted to go under general anesthetic that the anesthesiologist came in and was like, I'm really unsure about putting you under and uh, have to go through that experience of being hooked up to an ECG as a 21 year old 
boy who's you know played sport all his life swam rowed played rugby and have my mum sit there and to watch the color drain from my mum's face was was awful um so when I graduated I kind of like you know what I'm gonna get back into shape and start playing rugby start playing rugby again and I was training all the time and that was kind of like became part of my routine so that by the time I'd moved into London and was working in the city I'd moved into a flat with a friend of mine from school and he was a lawyer so we you know we never really saw each other we never really hung out because I was a super early mornings through till late evenings whereas he would be a bit late to start but then would work all night because being a junior in a law firm like those guys have such a huge workload so I was basically in this flat on my own and didn't really have didn't really see my friends a lot I was chasing this by now I built up this image of what I wanted to look like based on all the reading I'd done from men's health men's fitness everything I'd seen online and I was like that's the body I'm going for and by this time, I've dropped a load of weight. Like I was down to about 80 kilos, 75 kilos. And I, that's like nearly half my body weight. And you'd think the adulation of friends and family and telling me like how good I look now and like what I was doing uh, was really impressive would be enough to kind of show me that I'd, that I'd done enough or that I was, I'd hit it, I'd hit my mark. But for me, I was always chasing it. I was always chasing that I do not look like that person on the cover of the magazine when I saw myself in the mirror I didn't see it do you, do you think it's sort of do you think it's changed more recently though because you know you mentioned like Stallone or like Schwarzenegger they were big guys but if you look at like the front covers of like men's fitness they're big but they're like very lean as well and like it's that it's that sort of balance between trying to be really big, but also be incredibly lean at the same time, which I could imagine um, as someone that has never really built muscle in my life. Like I can imagine that being the really, the thing that people were searching for, but is incredibly difficult to try and chase. Am I, I, I don't know. I don't know what you think. No, I think you're, I think you're definitely right there, Josh. I think like, as we've, like going into bodybuilding speak, there was like, if you look at all the past Mr. Olympias, even that dynamic has changed where like legs, the legs weren't as big back then, but you saw like Arnold had this huge torso and this perfect, like basically like a Y frame from his shoulders down to his ankles. And then as they go, as we go along now to like that heavyweight bodybuilding, it's like an, they call it the X frame where basically the waist is super narrow, but then the, legs are huge just as big as the torso and it comes out like that whereas if you look at what's on like mainstream media now and you definitely you see the likes of uh ryan reynolds hugh jackman uh henry cavill chris hemsworth all these guys you know and most of them have played some form of superhero as well they're not overly they're big i mean I've, i work at equinox kensington and i've seen henry cavill and hugh jackman in the flesh and these guys yeah they're big but they're not like Arnie big or Sylvester Stallone big. It's a very different frame. Whereas I think there needs, there's a, there's more athleticism in it these days and people need to be able to move, but there's still that, like there's, we still want that strong muscular masculine physique where it's broad shoulders, broad chest, strong arms, but you need there being the ability to be able to do stuff with it. Cause most of these guys do some of their stunts when they're filming so they do need to be able to move um but again 
like the image we see on a thing I didn't know, you know, for and when I'm buying these magazines or when you're reading them is what, and what most people don't know is that, you know, these guys don't stay like that forever. They're like that for 24 hours for that photo shoot, maybe like a couple of days, you know, they're in that condition for probably a week before getting into that. They get like 12 to 16 weeks to get ready for a photo shoot. And then it goes, you know, they stay there within like five to 10% either side. But that, what that cover you see is a snapshot in time it's, that, it's not it's that forever condition isn't it it's like that absolute moment but it's just such a small moment and it won't it won't stay like that so you're kind of chasing a trying to maintain something that i guess can't be maintained potentially yeah yeah definitely mm. and like that's the that's the real issue like for me my going through my experiences it was like constantly chasing that but even though in the back of my mind you like know that's you know it's just a snapshot it's just a photo it's probably been airbrushed to some degree but because when you chase something so hard and you know you really want it, it or because you get to that point where you don't see what everyone else sees in the mirror when you see it, it you you just can't, can't seem to like break through or get around that idea if that Do makes you sense think um that perhaps the move towards like athleticism with the physique actually does help you know, build a sort of healthier approach to building a strong body, you know, or is that just as much part of the problem when it comes to body dysmorphia? Um, if it's not just purely based on aesthetics, it is about the capabilities of what you can do with it. Yeah, no, I think there is now, a, I think there is a slight shift in terms of, like, like you say, capabilities. And I know all the trainers I work with and the, the message I try to promote is that like what we work on in the gym should be about what you're capable of doing. And through a healthy lifestyle, the body is a byproduct. And mm. I do see more of that now. Like a lot of people are shifting that way. Like if we look, Chris Hemsworth, for example, has his own fitness app called Center. And he's got loads of experts and the guys who've worked with him and built getting him into shape for certain roles. And it's very much a very different approach. It's no longer just about like wanting to be lean. There is a mindfulness approach. There is the, there's the nutrition side of it. There's the training side of it. But when like there's not enough of that message being put out there mm. to take away from the aesthetic look of it, because unfortunately we're why we see with our eyes first before we hear I would first, agree first completely. impressions are huge and I kind of feel lucky as a woman that actually the whole body positivity movement and sort of self-acceptance conversation is having it well it's happening a lot on social media now which for me has been brilliant but I don't see it from men <laughs> at all do you, do you do you think it's do you think it's I mean there's such a bigger emphasis on men's mental health now than there has been but that comes over things like depression or substance abuse do you think you know body dysmorphia or male bulimia or um you know as you said um the adonis syndrome do you think that's a massive do you think that's a big taboo still for for men yeah i mean on just to go back to jess's point quickly like i think you know, everyone's, everyone's experience is relative to them, but, you know, there has been a huge 
move on like body positivity within the female world but again it's just scratching the surface because i feel like now as much as many you know as much as there has been a movement for that there are more and more fitness influencers coming out and they all look a certain way and young women will see that and they'll want to chase that and be like that rather than think about this is my body this is what I can do and this is what's healthy for me and promote that kind of mentality and being like okay so really what we need to do is take a step back work out what's good for us what's what's right for my body how should my body look or you know how where do I feel most comfortable where do I feel most confident where do I feel happiest and then help others to build that image rather than saying it's rather than just being going on an aesthetic look um so there's still like even though there has been this big this shift in the theme on for women there's still a huge part where it's just based like there are women being picked based on looks like i've got friends who are models and actors and there is still that huge pressure on them to look a certain way purely because of industry standards and going into the men's side of things like I know like if in that book, the, the Adonis complex, like there's a huge, you probably see more of it through, um, through like the fitness world that people will be trying to do things. Maybe not necessarily because like, Oh, maybe there's a hot girl across the gym and you know, I want to make sure I look good for her. It's usually for other guys. Usually like when guys are in the gym they're training and they're probably checking each other out being like oh how much is that guy lifting or how big does that guy look or how lean is that guy and it's one of those things it's, it's quite strange like guys will do it mainly like as competition with themselves and within that book the adonis complex they told there's interviews with guys who are bodybuilders pts fitness professionals who are in phenomenal shape yet they have this misperception of what they actually look like and they'll sit out in the summer in hoodies and sweat it out because they're afraid that they're not big enough or they're too skinny or they're not lean enough and it's it's awful um and i do think that you know that then leads into other things i I haven't seen personally on the body dysmorphia side haven't seen a lot from the wake of like male bulimia but a lot of it that i do see has been into the side of like excessive exercising uh very little like malnutrition steroid abuse um that one probably is the one that gets put under the the carpet the most um and people are less likely to talk about it because there's such a stigma around it Mm. because i i can imagine as well like you know you're coming from i guess the side of the industry where you know people are looking to get bigger and leaner and uh, sorry, you know, larger and leaner and, and, you know, from the running side, you know, I can only speak from my experience of, you know, competitive running and you ha- almost have the other side. And, you know, I, I'd be involved in conversations on long runs with teams and someone saying, you know, I just want to shift another 5K because if I'm carrying 5K over a marathon distance, you know, that's X amount of energy. And there's a drive for guys also on the other side, especially like endurance running to put themselves under huge pressure to lose weight as well. And I, I think, I, I guess it, it's sport dependent, isn't it? I, it's, if you're sort of chasing those goals and those PBs that you, 
you can lose sight of actually your own health and you're and you put yourself at excessive risks i guess yeah definitely and like you you put it so well josh like you lose sight of it and i think this is the like we lose sight of the process and the journey to a certain point by remaining so fixed on the outcome like i can only imagine what it's like for distance runners you know, you've got pbs you know like you're so fixed on trying to hit that pb that people will go out and hit you know competition runs every weekend or they'll do excessive things to try and shift that weight or whatever to get to where they want to be um and put themselves at risk of doing so but they won't be able to see it because they're so focused on the pb on the outcome and you lose sight of the process and it's much the same in you know like bodybuilding or just in general like from what i've seen on certain things especially on social media where you know there's a lot of people who they want to be they want to look a certain way and have like a certain image for themselves and they do certain things and then when they get called out on potentially someone asks are you using steroids or what are you doing and people like will you know there's such a stigma around it that no one ever know no one ever really knows if you're telling the truth or not um, whereas, you know, if you go back to the 80s when, or 70s and 80s when Arnie and Sly were, Sylvester Stone were, you know, in bodybuilding and training, like they were open about steroid use. Arnold Schwarzenegger is very open about it. But then as soon as we, like, as you go down the years, that kind of stigma comes with it and it suddenly gets brushed under the carpet and all the stuff that people do. I mean, if we, we look at Lance Armstrong, right? Yeah, most sophisticated doping program ever created. The lengths that people will do because they're so fixated on an outcome, they forget the journey and why they started in the first place. Yeah. Don't so, get me wrong. Just to, just to finish, like, just don't get me wrong. On like professional athletes, I get it. There's a there's a drive and a desire to be the very best at what you do. But if it's with it, if that's going outside the laws of what you're allowed to do, then there needs to be a check in place. I yeah. have a question. Um, if say you sort of notice someone close to you is like becoming you know dangerously fixated on a certain aesthetic to the point where they are putting themselves at risk like what what do you think is like the right way to approach that conversation because I've kind of experienced <laughs> with people in the past where you know I've noticed this sort of body dysmorphia but actually having that conversation is very tricky because it can be disguised as something that's so healthy. Yeah, I mean, having been the person that's needed to have the conversation, um, I've been at a dinner table and had conversations with both my sisters and my mum, and they would ask me about it and say, like, do you think you're doing, do you think you're being a bit obsessive? Do you think it's a bit excessive? And because I thought I built up this massive amount of knowledge from reading and doing whatever, I was like, no, no, it's absolutely fine. I mean, to one time, my sister actually said to me, I do I think you've got some degree of body dysmorphia and I was like yeah you know I probably do brushing it under the carpet acknowledge it but not really and just kind of ignore it and it got to such a point where I'd actually put myself into like a bad health situation I ended up in hospital uh, with all kinds of stomach issues blood reports weren't that great either my sister actually came and sat with me for the day and like having the conversations with everyone when I got home that night was not pleasant but necessary um, in terms of how you go about that conversation, 
sometimes it really depends on how bad it's getting and like you can only do so much but it has to come from the person themselves because and and maybe sometimes from a impartial party because sometimes you can be too close to the situation like when talking to my mom and my sisters I seem to think I know better I'm very stubborn they'll tell they'll be the first to tell you that but like sometimes yeah hard it's hardest to listen from the people who are closest to you especially when you're in the midst of it do you do you think as well like because because this is kind of linked to Jess's question and I think you know, it's, it's a great question because I, I, I think Jess asked exactly what I wanted to ask as well but I think on the um on the in terms of how we change it like do you think there's also responsibility that if you are involved in whether it's elite running or it's bodybuilding it's do you think there needs to be an awareness as well about the effect that you're having on other people as well and what you're what you're trying to show because obviously we all have a responsibility I guess online as well because you're everyone is influencing other people now in a way that they probably weren't ever before god yeah like definitely I think there's more of a responsibility now than ever and it really comes down to like what is the message that you want to put out there you know like as a as a PT I do and the guys that I work with we constantly come across you know people coming to us and being like oh I read this in this magazine or saw this on the, the news about like this diet or that training or do you have this do you know this exercise that I saw on Instagram and like none of it makes sense so there's a lot of re-education going on uh, from our side of things in trying to re-educate the misinformed and show people what is like what is an appropriate way to to eat what is the what is an appropriate way to train how much training should you be doing so really there is a huge responsibility on on us as a, as a profession or those involved in you know distance running or any kind of health and fitness uh, area to be able to put out the right message considering how much information there is out there at the moment it's difficult especially when you've got like scientific research to coming out where a lot of the language is hard to understand and then the, the media only gets like the headline mm. but it doesn't it misses all the context that's underneath that that tells you why that worked why that didn't work um, and so us as fitness professionals need to take it upon ourselves to do some of that research try and break really fully understand that and then be able to talk about that with our clients it's like for example intermittent fasting you know intermittent fasting is a, is has been huge recently and is a great way to for certain people to lose weight but i see people who ask me about it when i know it's not right for them like mm. if i've worked with them for a month and then they come and ask i want to try this and i'm like okay let's have a conversation about this like why do you want to try this how do you feel about it and we dive into this and we have to explore it before before we get to a point where there's a decision made and I would, I would implore that anyone who is a, involved in sport or health and fitness in a professional aspect and you're putting that stuff out there onto social media for others to read, that you are very clear in the message that you're trying to put out there. Mm. I think that raises an important point for those on the other side, the client side as well, actually, before engaging in a particular uh, program or diet actually ask yourself why you know why am I doing this like you know is there 
what are my options and is there a expert advice I could get on this before I throw myself into something yeah definitely and I think that's where like asking for help is the big thing mm. um and that's the hard, usually the hardest thing um like I know I don't I try to live my life without regrets but I think the one thing I do regret is not getting a coach when I should have had one not having a personal trainer when I should have had one to be to help me guide me through my journey and through the process to keep me on track with that and now I would always say like a huge part from a coach's perspective is to really understand the why behind anything like why do you want to lose weight why do you want to put on muscle why do you want to hit this number on the scale or why do you want to fit back into that those pair of jeans or, or whatever it is that people are trying to do and really understand like what is the real motivator is it an external motivator because you've seen someone else do it because you've seen it on someone else's social media you've seen it on a magazine cover or you saw someone else run that time or is it because you used to be able to do that and you want to get back to that level and it's an internal thing you know, it's because those are your favorite jeans and you want to be able to wear them again when you go out with your significant other or like, are you doing this for your wedding? Or like when it's a deep internal motivator, we tend to see the best the best results and more likely a higher likelihood of success. Those external motivators, people driven by what they've seen on social media, they, they tend to not last that long. It's you know, a, a classic example is that New Year's resolution, you know, yeah. I'm going to get into shape, I'm going to look this good, and then February comes around and everyone's off. That's such sound advice. Honestly, I think I think that could be used in all walks of life. I think that's such sound advice to try and tap into that, that reason why, you know, why you're doing everything. And I think we could use that for, for many, many things. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, the one note I did actually have, because I, I think we obviously started with that kind of male body image and actors and the pressure they put on themselves. And like, I did actually read something this week, which was, I think was quite positive. And it was an interview that they did with Robert Pattinson, who's going to be the next Batman. And they they were chatting to him about lockdown and training and, you know, how much weight he's putting on, etc. And he just turned around and was like, I'm never going to be Christian Bale. Like, I'm never going to be big. And he was like, the Batmans in the 1960s and 70s weren't big. So he was like, I'm just going to act it and do me and not try and be a body type that, like, I don't need to be. And I was just like, I just, I read that and I was like, do you know what? Fair play to you. Like, that's that's really good of someone who's quite high profile to come out and say, I'm not going to succumb to the pressure. I'm just going to do what I think's right for, like, me personally. And I think that just sets such, like, a good a good level, right? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I saw that too. I actually had a friend of mine send that to me and he was like, what the, why does he say that? And like, we're both big superhero fans and we see these guys and we're like, yeah, every superhero should look a certain way. But like, if I'd really dialed down and reread the art, the interview and looked at it and I was like, you know what? That's the best thing anyone's ever said. Because, you know, like we see, if you look at all the Batmans, Adam West, Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, George Clooney, none of those guys were particularly big, right? You never no. really saw them do that many topless shots. And it's the same with Bond, right? It's exactly yeah. the same with James Bond. It's changed. Yeah, Sean Connery, Roger Moore, Pierce Brosnan. These guys were, like, they had the, like, it wasn't about what they looked like. 
it was about the the character that they carried, the charisma, the way they talk, the way they do things, the way they behaved, not what they looked like. Whereas you look at anything from you know Christian Bale as Batman to when even Ben Affleck in Batman versus Superman, he's doing that weight training scene, and it's just like, okay, I understand that Batman's probably going to be fit to do what he does, but does he need to look like that? And I, I do applaud Robert Pattinson for the, the stance he takes and what the message he put out there. Yeah, because I just think I did the same as you. I went, why is he saying that? And then I thought, hang on a second, I'm judging in the same way that I should be like, do you know what? Kudos to you. Like, that's exactly what we should be doing, which is why am I doing it? You know, what's right for me? And like, what example am I setting as a male, you know, in a position of influence about how I should look and how I should act? Yeah, I mean, if you type into Google any superhero name, the next word that comes up after it is workout and diet. <laughs> and you look at like, and you look at how many people have searched for like the Thor diet or the Hugh Jackman diet and training for Wolverine and like those things come up. It's really common to see. So to hear him say that, like, it kind of puts, you know, what I'm just going to play the character because that's what people want to see. Yeah, you know, it's about the movie. It's not about the bodies. Totally. Well, Jonathan, honestly, like, uh, it's been so good. Like, it's, it's a topic which I was really interested and excited to talk about. And I, you know, Jess and I chatted like two weeks ago. And we're like, <laughs> we're really, we're really, really keen to chat to you about this. So honestly, thank you so much for, thank you so much for your time uh, to chat through this. Oh, no, like, like I said, thank you for having me on here and like taking the opportunity to like speak about this stuff. Like we said at the beginning, there isn't enough being done about it and I don't expect to break down the wall myself with one Instagram post and a phone call and a conversation you know I even through my experiences I still have up days I still have down days mm. but knowing that since talking about it has been a huge weight off my chest and if I'm able to help one other person to start to explore that for themselves to reach out to someone they trust and have a conversation then I've done my bit and I just hope that you know somewhere out there is listening and here's the stuff we talk about and if someone oh, sorry, wants Jeff. to sort of keep up with this conversation on your Instagram um where can they find you so my Instagram handle is at coach jcd just my my initials um it's all one word and I'm currently in the process of putting together my website um which is basically just going to be all my knowledge and a, a portal for that stuff on training, nutrition and mindfulness and mindset stuff. I'm going to, I, the article and the post that I made on Instagram is going to go up onto my website as well. So if you want to carry on there, that's going to be available and it's going to be uh, www.coachjcd.com. Uh, there's going to be the link on my Instagram as well. So that's where you guys can find me. Please reach out if there, anyone has any questions. Uh, I'm always happy to talk about this stuff. That's brilliant. So we'll we'll add that to the footnotes of the podcast. Um, we'll also add the link to uh, the book, The Adonis Complex, because I'm sure it's it's a it's a probably a great read um, for people that want to find out a little bit more as well. Um, but yeah, thank you, thank you very much. Um, and um, I think that's about it for part two. Uh, Jess, unless you've got anything else to add no no <laughs> that was fantastic and really interesting brilliant so um if you want to get in touch with us you can on instagram which is at run talk run um and of course you can check out the website which is runtalkrun.com uh, but do stick with us in part three 
uh, where we're going to be talking a little bit more about sort of our ultimate team expeditions or ultimate group runs or challenges. Um, so catch us in part three. Hello and welcome back to part three of the Run Talk Run podcast. I'm still here with Jess. Uh, Jonathan has left us, um, but we thought in part three we were going to chat a little bit. And Jess, actually, this started when I saw a post you put up um, the other day, or it might have been today. I don't know. It's all merging into one. Um, it was um, a photo that you put up about the London relay. And it kind of inspired me to think, well, let's have a little chat about our favourite group runs that we've done. So, um, because we've we've done, I think we've done some pretty unusual and different ones, and I'm sure people in the Run Talk Run community have as well. So, you know, you, a group of mates, and just a cool challenge or something you've done. So, I'm going to let you kick off. You go. <laughs> Absolutely. Actually, the fact that it's been Global Run Day, um, has provided me with a lovely little opportunity to reflect on all the cool uh, running running opportunities, I guess, and running with my friends and all the memories. Um, so, yeah, the London Relay was a fantastic um, chance to run with the Run Talk Run gang. But one of the most standout, I'd say, group running experiences was heading to LA with seven other women that I'd only ever met once before um, and running uh, a relay um, from Santa Monica to Las Vegas, um, which was just, yeah, mad and amazing. And we ended up taking it very, um, I want to say almost like in a run talk run style. So we kind of quickly realised that our team was... <laughs> kind of at the back of the uh, leaderboard. Um, we weren't running particularly competitively. And I think as soon as we sort of noticed that we were at the bottom of the leaderboard, it became so much more fun. Um, so the whole experience was laid back, stunning scenery, and just a really good laugh. Um, so yeah, I'd recommend the Speed Project to absolutely anyone. Was it flat? Was it hot? What was the train like? I think it was faster than I expected. Um, there were some hilly parts, I think, kind of coming out of California um, into Nevada. That was quite hilly. Um, and it wasn't as hot as I expected either. I mean, I could make myself sound a lot more badass than I am. <laughs> we, we ran through the desert and it wasn't all that hot. Um, but yeah, I think I actually found it in terms of physically easier than a marathon because yeah. you're not running for any considerable distance at once. Um, so I quite like the relay style of adventuring. <laughs> and what was it like? Because sort of, how many of you were there in the team? So there were eight of us, um, but you can have, well, I think actually this year, although it's been cancelled, there was a woman who was training to do the distance alone. <laughs> so it is a team relay 
normally, but yeah. I think they're kind of flexible on how many you can have in your team. And obviously, like, you didn't know these girls before. Like, no. by the end, I guess it's, it's a pretty... It's a pretty bonding experience, I can imagine. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, definitely developed some really close friendships um, from that run. It's been the, yeah, the best thing for that. And I think running does that quite a lot, you know, introduces you to people that you would have never have crossed paths with before. Totally. I mean, it's, it's one of those things with running. Like, it can be quite a, like an insular sport if you want it to be but like if you want it to be community-based and, and you know we're obviously both singing off the same song sheet in terms of we like running with other people otherwise we probably wouldn't be doing this podcast right, right now because <laughs> yeah. we like community um but yeah I, I personally think it's really enjoyable and I think some of the most enjoyable races that I've done like competitive races have been team ones and you know, every year we, uh, when I run with Hearn Hill, we do like the national road relays or um, we do like the cross country relays. And it adds a completely different level when someone is handing you the baton and you're sort of accountable and you're part of a team because it's self and with running. You, you just sort of, you can just do it at your own pace and you're your own worst enemy. But sometimes when you're running in a team, it's, it's a different, it's a different level. But my favorite my favorite group run is I mean and you know you said you went from um what was it LA to Las Vegas or was it the mm-hmm. other way around yeah so mine is kind of less glamorous mine was from um Beachy Head to Winchester over the South Downs Way in a minibus um so less less glamorous but we did it in a team of six and in Sussex they have this invitational race where they invite um all the clubs from Hampshire and Sussex to take part in the South Downs weight relay and um you do it in a team of six and a minibus driver and the the race starts at like six or seven in the morning with a with an actual physical baton and you drop Mm -hmm. off uh, on on the edge of Beachy Head and the first leg goes off and then you race off in your minibuses and you meet six miles down the road which Sounds like you'd always get there first, but the roads wind a lot more than the South Downs do. <laughs> so sometimes yeah. you have to really, the, the, the navigator and the driver have to be very, very good to get there. And then as soon as you hit there, the guy gets out, baton changes over, he shoots off, next guy gets in the van and you do this for 10 hours. Or, I mean, we did it in about 10 hours, but it was just one of the best experiences because all and I don't know if you felt this on your trip to LA but all sense of sort of um preservation of kind of being cool goes out the window like you know (laughs) if you need to go for a shit you're like I need to go for a shit (laughs) (laughs) where's the loo roll like you know if if, it just kind of all sense of kind of normality goes out when you're with your team 100 percent. i think that's actually one of my favorite memories of us sitting in a line in the desert in the dark just all having a a poo together (laughs) (laughs) it was our only opportunity it is yeah that's a direction we didn't think the podcast would go today that's just brought a smile to my face that's one of my favorite memories <laughs> yeah. it's it is cool and I think that's one of the loveliest things about running um, <laughs> and um the the other thing that we're doing which I wish that I realized in lockdown a few weeks ago but I found this well I was sent this site 
to get involved with called Challenge Hound. And you can set like a challenge for a group. So with our tooting group, we're doing Land's End to John, o- John O'Groats over a month as a group. So just, mm-hmm. just run it. So what happens is you sync it to your like Strava and you can like register. So the whole of the, a lot of the tooting group are registered. So when they do a run, it like adds to the total for the month. Um, so the idea is over the month, we want to try and run the whole distance of Land's End to John O'Groats like collectively. And it kind of That's brings awesome. that. Yeah, it's so cool. And I'll put the link in the, the pod, but like for any run leaders or people that like running with their mates, so even if you set like a target of like, london to brighton as a team over a weekend or over two weeks like you can set that and like it gives you guys like a common goal to kind of aim for um and to go to um so we'll see how we go it's it's we're already off to a flying start so we'll see how many days it takes us um but it's just so nice to have everyone building towards a goal you know i think that's fantastic and i'm totally stealing that with my eastbourne lot <laughs> that sounds like fun um, yeah yeah. It'll be cool. So I'll put that in the in the footnotes and like seriously, like yeah, get get a group of people together and set yourselves a challenge because you know whilst we can only run with a couple of other people at the moment, like it's so cool to kind of have a bigger group goal that's not defined by you know all being together in the same place. Absolutely. But Jess, we got one more thing to add, which is also a team event, which is happening in October. Do you want to tell us, or potentially happening in October? Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, hopefully this will be going ahead. And if it's not, I'm sure it will be deferred to 2021. But we are building two run, talk, run teams for Ragnar Relay uh, Whitecliffs in Dover. Um, similar style to the speed project that I just des- described. It's essentially a relay. I can't remember the actual total distance. It's 170 miles, Jess. You're on it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Joshua. Back up. Um, we're looking for, I think, five more runners to join us. So if you're interested in a teamy uh, event where we are still going to be totally chill on pace, um, it's definitely going to be run, talk, run pace, um, then get in touch because I think it'll be a lot, of, a lot of fun. Yeah. So it's on the 10th to 11th of October. Um, we've got two teams <laughs> and they're running from sitting born to dover to brighton basically and um so there's 10 people with still five spaces so if you are interested um julia the wonderful julia is is organizing this team so we will put her email address in the footnotes as well um so you can get involved with that but that's happening 10th to 11th october the ragnar relay and the run talk run team are going to be chilled Hopefully we're going to be at the back, chilling and having a really good time together. Exactly that. <laughs> exactly that. Um, so I think it's about it for the pod tonight, I guess. I think so. It's been fun. Yeah, it has been really fun. Um, so if anything in the pod tonight has affected you or you want to get in touch, obviously you can do um, through Instagram, which is at Run. Um, you can also email us, which is jessica at runtalkrun.com. And of course, you can catch the website, which is runtalkrun.com as well. Um, if you've enjoyed this podcast, do like and subscribe. If you are kind enough, please do leave us a five star review. Um, but for this week, thank you very much for listening. Um, thank you very much, Jess. And of course, thank you very much to Jonathan as well. 
and we will catch you next week. Bye. Yep. Bye.